we're beginning this morning to learn the, um, the most famous sefer of, of the uh, of the Eish Kodesh, of the Bizetzna, the Chavis HaTalmidim, Students' Obligation, which was published during the Rabbi's lifetime. And if you have the introduction, it's definitely could die to read and to get an idea of the history of the sefer. It, it's certainly one of the more important parts, if not the most important part of our of our Chanukah Sabayis, of our moving into the new Bismadrish, Mitzvah Shem for Shabbos. The, um, this series is going to be taped as, as the others, as the others from that we've been learning from, from, um, from the Rebbe have been taped, is going to be part of the, dedicated as part of the Leval Hanan series. That's by Eliezer Mordechai and Miriam Herrenstein. In memory, in memory of Miriam's grandfather, Elchanan ben Peretz. And the history of this person, Eliezer Mordechai gave me something yesterday. The history of this person, Elchanan ben Peretz, his life story is also one that is very much is very much connected to to the Eish Kaidish, although not personally. But he was born in Warsaw and and uh, left Warsaw as uh, as a young man to go to Israel. And that's something that the Ishkadish that the economist common have dreamed of. He was he was passionately in love with Israel and wanted to go. His brother, the Admor uh, Chalutz, actually did go. So this Al Khan Ben Par Ben grandfather went and he was married there in Israel. And Eretz in those days was unbelievably difficult just to, just to survive. They went back one time to Poland before the war to try to convince the family to come to America, but it didn't work. At that point, they had to move to, to America, and they were there during they were there for for many years, in the 40s and the 50s, and when it was so hard to keep Shabbos and mitzvahs, and um, and eventually and eventually they returned to Israel and spent the last 20 years. I spent the last 20 years in Israel, leaving the entire family, parents and brothers and sisters. Everybody was killed in Europe, and um, and therefore, it certainly is it's very it's very important to know that the series is being dedicated by the Herrensteins, who are wonderful chaverim of ours, and who are devoted to the who are devoted to what the Eish taught. And what he means, and um, and we're certainly very appreciative. And if other Jews are able to learn more about the teachings, more about the Torahs of the Piazetsna, and to be uplifted and inspired, because we know that his message and his teachings are so unbelievably contemporary, and the talking teaching every one of us, Amish now. So then, the schus of the Mechaber may it be that the merit of the Mechaber protect Eliezer Mordechai Miriam and their family that they should see Mitzvah Shem a lot of nachis and good health and baruch and hatzlocha let's remind ourselves of the Tzavah HaKadosh of the last will and testament which is the Sharblat which is actually right after the Sharblat the introductory page before the Sefer begins you just turn you just turn after the first page and it says Tzavah HaKadosh those who don't have the Sefer so, um, either you can get it yourself, which is very 
easy to get. Just get the one with the Nakudas. It's much easier to read with the dots. Or um, if you tell me, I'll be glad to get you. Or we could ask uh, Jeff to pick up a couple of copies He's across the street. This is which we've seen before, but it's very important that we review and remember when we start a new Sefer. Hatzavah the Holy Will and Testament. Shall Kvay Kedushas Admar HaGoyin HaKadosh Rabkhanim Eskalma Shapiro Piazetzna Hashem Yim Kermdom May Hashem take revenge for his murder. Ben Arav HaTzadik Rabbi Yalimalach Megushinsk and as part of that, as part of that tzavah that was written, as you see in Parshas Va'era, the 26th day of Tevis in the year Tavshim Gimel, 1943, that was very, very, it was a very dark, very dark time in our history. To'ilu l'shtadu l'chalkem b'yakayi v'lafitzam Yisrael, he asked, he asked anybody who would serve, anybody who would, who could, anybody who would survive, he asked to please to try to publish and to try to see to it that his teachings would be spread among the Jewish people. That the Rebbe said, please print in each of my svarim that I am asking, I am begging. That he should learn my svar. And if he does, then certainly then certainly the merit of my holy ancestors amongst them, that may the merit of my holy ancestors that it would that that the schus of my holy ancestors will will help and protect this person and his entire household. In this world and the world to come, Hashem Yerachem Aleinu, and may Hashem have mercy upon us. Yoser Lauch Alichtov, I can't write anymore. Hashem Yerachem, Vichayenu Im Sheiris Yisrael, may Hashem have compassion and give us life for the rest of the Jewish people. That I should be zeichet to also be able to publish these writings. Divrei Oyhavchem. These are the words of the one who loves you, who is your brother and your friend. Who misses you. Who's broken and shattered. From my own personal tsaris. Who mitsaris is from the tsaris of the Jewish people. That descend to the deepest depths. And ascend to the highest heights. And who is waiting for the salvation of Hashem, like the wicked eye. <coughs> so when we learn, so we learn the svarm, and particularly this sefer, which was so dear to him, and even during his lifetime had become so famous, and caused such a stir. At that time, among the Jews of Poland. That there could be such a thing that a, that a tzaddik of that caliber, a genius of that caliber, would actually write a sefer just just because of his love and concern for students. Certainly, if the Rebbe promised that he would help in this world and the next world to all those who are involved 
in in publishing his farm and learning his farm, then certainly it's an unbelievable schus for us. It's a, it's a tremendous, tremendous schus for us to to be able to to be able after all these years since the Rebbe was nifter, since the Rebbe was killed, to be able to learn the sefer together and to be mishtatif also, if we can. I mentioned this last week in the in the publishing in the, in the new translation of the Rebbe's sefer, the Chavzat Talmidim. For those who are interested, I mentioned this last week. It's very chosh if we can get the work on it. They need some money to get started, if it's possible. So that there could be a, an easy English translation on the same page, on the opposite page of the Hebrew. So that more and more people who are thirsting for the, for the Rebbe's Tyrus, there are thousands of people who are thirsting for the Rebbe's Tyrus. It's amazing. But really people are so... Are so thirsty for the for what the Rebbe was talking about, and his teachings are his teachings apply more now than ever before. So if our Medrash, if Eish could be could be um, helpful in in spreading the Rebbe's Torahs beyond the beyond the walls of our own Medrash, then that I see that as something which is part of our mission of what we we need to accomplish, and Bez Hashem will be able to accomplish. Now let's begin on page Zayin, which is the beginning. There is an English translation, I'm sure many of you have, and it's certainly a very good one. But it needs to be simplified, and it was written in more of an academic style as opposed to the, the Hartziger style, which the Rebbe spoke and how he taught. And that's the way we try to explain, to translate here. But it's always Kedai to look into the English afterwards. I never look at the English when I do this. So it's just that, uh, to try to learn it together from the beginning in the way that the Rebbe wrote it. This is how he wrote it and this is how we're learning it. <coughs> now it's called Chavis HaTalmidim, a student's obligation, because it was written primarily for Chassidish Abachim in Poland between World War One and World War II. It was written for Chassidish Abachim. The point was guiding them in the ways, in the beginning of Chassidus, how to enter upon the path of the Baal Shem Tev. Therefore, for us, there's a tremendous advantage. It's more understandable than many of his other svarim that are written in a much more difficult style, as we saw, particularly in Savaziru's, that the style of the Hebrew is extremely difficult, generally extremely difficult. Here, the the language is intentionally easier, even though you were able to see that the Rebbe was mamish poetic, and he could be as, as difficult to understand and say, next to Rav Kook, one of the most difficult in modern times. But the Rebbe intentionally wrote this as a safer that young people would be able to understand. Now, in our days, we're shocked when we see what 14, 15-year-old Baruchum are learning. And it's a little bit humbling, if not very humbling, because it'll be plenty difficult for us to learn. The concepts are simplified but unbelievably profound. And much of the things that we've been talking about over the last few years in the Rebbe's teachings, these the, here we have the beginning of the ideas and the presentation in a way that is extremely practical. This is a safer that is more more and more being seen as the safer of these times. 
and is being learned in more and more places by different types of Jews from all backgrounds, you'll see that its contents are Mamish revolutionary. Even now, it's so sad that this is not the required method of teaching Jewish boys and girls and teaching ourselves. So even though it was written for Bachram, it certainly speaks to us. Every single page, every single word is speaking to us. And it will help us, therefore, with, that, with our Mitzvah, with our families, with our children, with God's help, and, and with ourselves. And, um, and it can be shared with Mishpach, and should be shared with Mishpach, if possible, to be learned with the Mishpach together, on some level, to be discussed. Because every single thing here is Mamish and Eish Kaidish is a, a holy fire. Shlomo HaMelech, this first section, which is an introduction, is called Siach Im HaMelamdim This, the Rebbe says, this is a little chapter where he wants to have it. He wants to have a discussion with the Melamdim, with the Rebbeim, with the Rebbe's Avayis Habanim, and the and the boy's parents. And remember that that the Rebbe was very strict and I take it very, very uh, literally that one is not to learn Hachshara Sa'avreichim which in the Sefer which with the Tzav was in the back there that's not part of the Hachshara Sa'avreichim but, but there's a big tie of it to learn Hachshara Sa'avreichim uh, the ideas there are more, the ideas there are, are more profound and there's a great deal of chassidus and kabbalah that, 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 uh, in the Hachshara Sa'avreichim the Rebbe warned that one is not to learn Hachshara Sa'avreichim until he is, until he's gone through Chavzat Talmidim, preferably a few times. So we have to go in that order in that seder that we learn first Chavzat Talmidim, which will take us in Mitzrayim a few years, and uh, maybe two years, I hope. And so we should be able to be prepared to learn Hachshar Sefreichim. I'm sure that'll be um, in Yerushalayim in our Nubes Medrash in Yerushalayim. Not. We're not, we're not giving it up so after all this. We're not, we're not giving that up. Shlomo HaMelech said in Mishlei in Proverbs, Educate the child according to his own path, his own way. And if you do that, then even when he's old, even in his old age, the teachings will not depart from him, will not go away. Zehu This is the essence of Jewish education, of Chinuch. Shloi bulvad The point of teaching, of educating, is not that it should be only for when the child is a child. V'yad oviv oidot kefa alav yishmolai v'yasikim It's not only for the time that his parents have control over him. And therefore, he is he is forced to observe the mitzvahs. He has no choice when he's in the home. True education is so that what? Even when he's left his parents' home and he's on his own, and he lives in his own rishus, in his own domain, he's his own boss, that the teachings of his youth should never leave him. And it doesn't mean just to remember that Gemara or to remember that Pasuk Chumash Rashi. It means all of the Ruach 
all of the commitment that he had as a child when he was innocent, that he should be able to take that with him throughout his entire life. Because education is not only a commandment. To command one's son. A talmido or one's student. You must do this or you must do that. That's not all the chinuch is. You have to do this, you have to do that. You have to put on film. You have to put on scissors. You have to daven. You have to learn. So many of the boys, that's all they, they, that's all they are hearing. That's all that they remember. Is that there was one thing that I remember in, in my chinuch, both at home and in the yeshiva. You must, you must, you must. You have to do this, you have to do that. And that's all they remember. And that's, that's a bitter pill to swallow for many of the boys and girls. But the boys is usually m- more of a bitter pill. So he said, that's not all that chinuch is. Gamlo And it's not only a custom, it's not only that the child should be accustomed to a certain way of life. It's more than that. That you've gotten him into the habit of doing good things. That's good. That's more than that. Much more powerful and much more effective than just commanding or just habit. These two, commanding a child to do something and what? Getting him into the habit of behaving a certain way. These are only tools in the hands of a true mechanach, of a true educator. This is not what it means to educate, that the child is told to do something and the child is imitating and impersonating as he grows up. That is used in a positive way, in a good way, in the hands of a parent, in the hands of a mechanach, of a teacher. But that's not what chinuch is. Now the Rebbe explains, he defines what is chinuch. We spoke about this some months ago, once on a Shabbos morning. What is chinuch? What does it mean? It's one of those words we take for granted because you hear it all the time. I'm worried about the chinuch of my children, where I'm going to go, I have to move someplace where it will be good for my children's chinuch, this is not good for my children's chinuch, and so on. What does it mean, chinuch? And by the way, it's, you'll see that it's, it's very much connected. It's unbelievable how it's connected to, to what we're going, what our Besmedrash here is, is going through, Bez Hashem, this time, which is the Chanukah's Bez Haknesis. The Chanukah's Bez Hamedrash. Of course, that Chanukah and Chanukah's Bez Hamedrash is, is from the word Chinuch. So this is, uh, this is the, the beginning of the, uh, of the Chanukah's Knesses right now. So the Torah is telling us, of course, about those who are exempt from going out to war, those who returned from the battlefield, somebody who built a house, but he was not yet mechanech, the house. It's not talking about kids. What does it mean? Bona bayis v'loichanochal. Chinuch, Rashi says, is a lotion of haschol. Chinuch is a lotion of haschol of beginning. Rashi defines chinuch as haschol of beginning. Uposhut shelo alkol haschola yeyomer l'shoyn chinuch. But it's posh, it's obvious. That we don't use the word chinuch for all beginnings. The word chinuch does not describe every beginning. Right? You wouldn't say, the Rebbe says, Kamei b'maschil b'gnusa m'sayim b'shavach in the Haggadah. So the Gemara says in Psachim that we begin with the 
negative or we begin with the darker part of our history Terach the father of Avram just a few weeks away Pesach we begin with Gnus and we, and we, and we end with the good stuff we end with with also with Hashem taking us out of Mitzrayim and so on. So he says, the Rebbe says, Hamuska Batam Bekesh the Seder Hagadah Bepesach, which is talking about the Seder of Pesach. Layomu Mechanech Begnus doesn't say Mechanech Begnus. It doesn't say instead of Maschil. There's a difference between Lahaschil to begin and Lechanech, which is also a Lashn of Haschal, but it's different. It's different. You don't say this is the you know, the, you want to say this is the, the beginning of the ball game. This is the Chanukas uh, Hamishak. The beginning. That, does, that doesn't mean that. And, you know, if you said that, it would be crazy. Also, the order of how the Sanhedrin would begin to discuss. It says, Maschilin, begin. doesn't say the Lashon of Chinuch, from the side. So let's find out when is this word to be used appropriately. So then, of course, everybody here knows the rule. Reb Tzadik talks about this all the time, and it's found in all the Svarim. That if you want to know the inner, inner essence of a word, you have to go back and find the first place that it's really used in Tanakh, right? And when you go to the first place where it's found. Now, there was a person by the name of Chanoch. But and that's connected to that as well. That's, we're not going to talk about that right now. But the 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 application of this term of chinuch, we find it first in Chumash and Parshas Lech Lecha. Mefarish Rashi Laniyosir Vezel Lashano Chanichav. You remember that Avram Avinu prepared prepared for war if it would be necessary. Chanichav. Now, Chanichav are the members of his household, right? Those who were in it, that were that were being brought up in his home. Rashi says, Shechanocho lemitzvus. These were people who Avmarvino had been mechanech in the world of mitzvus. Now Rashi defines it. It means the beginning of the entering of an individual okli or of a utensil or of something that's going that you're going to use. It's fit, it's going to be used. Lumnus to some art or craft. <coughs> you are bringing the child or the individual, the person. It's the beginning of bringing him into his way of life. That he's going to be living in the future, or it's, or it's bringing something, an object, into its into its usage, which it's going to have in the future. and that is the meaning of what Shlomo Melch said: educate the child. It's the meaning of the Chanukas Hamizbeach of the altar in the Beis and Chanukas Abayis. Rashi says. Rashi brings these to be Chanoch Lanar, Chanukas Hamizbeach, Chanukas Habayis of the Beis Hamikdash. Ad Kam Lishoni. These are the words of Rashi. Avalaf. Let's continue. Avalaf Al Ha'uman Hamaschil B'Melacha. The Rebbe explains that 
the craftsman who is beginning a malacha, who is beginning some work, who is beginning a job. The word chinuch is not used in kvar yoch when he begins that work. In kvar yochel who as umanaso, if he already knows his craft. In other words, if he's already a, a great carpenter, a great plumber, or a great artist, or whatever, and he's just starting another project, we don't call that chinuch. That's not called chanukas hauman. That's not the beginning of his umnas. That's not the that's not the chinuch of his umnas. It's just that it's another a new painting, or it's another or it's another job. Gamal habayis kshemaschilim uznoso also with a house when you begin to build a house. Lo yipa aloshin chinuch habayis we don't call that chinuch habayis when you begin to build. Rak al misha balulmod atzmai umnus we we use the word chinuch when there's somebody who's coming to learn how to do this. Or when we're going to use the house that has already been built. How to use it. How to live in it. It's, you don't have the Hanukkah Zabayis when you, when you put the cornerstone. Then, but that's what Rashi says. It's the beginning of entering into the world. So it's when the person is learning the craft, which is going to carry him through life. When the artist is learning that malacha that is going to carry him through his life. When the person is actually entering into the home and that is going to carry him through the years. It's talking about the person. Not the malacha, not this painting, not this house. It's talking about the person who's now entering into the house and is going and beginning his life in the house. It's talking about the person who's entering into this malacha, into this craft, into this profession, and who's going to use this profession. This is the beginning. So it's a din in the gavra, not in the chavza, as they say in the yeshivas. It's the person, not the thing. On this preparation that is in potential within the person who's going to be the artist, who's going to be the carpenter, and the preparation of the house or of that appliance to be used in the future for this purpose or that purpose, that is the word chinuch. It's a word that stands on its own. Chinuch means the beginning of my efforts to the beginning of my efforts to carry out in reality that which I've been preparing. That's what it means. To carry out to bring into reality the beginning of my bringing into reality that which I've been preparing. So I've been building the house. I've been building the house. And now I'm beginning to carry it out. I'm, I've started studying the trade and I'm going to begin 
to work towards practically being the artist and the carpenter and so on. It could be a person that has certain potential, or it could be an appliance that, that had this this is an oven that could be that could make thousands of, of, of dinners and make make people happy with nice meals, but it hasn't been plugged in, it's not being used. And you have many, many Jews that could be, could bring unbelievable nachasuach to their families to Hashem, but they haven't been plugged in. It's not turned on. So that koach is behelem. That potential is hidden, remains potential. The job of a parent of a mechanic and the job and the job of a of a craftsman is to be able to bring to the light, to draw out from within himself and within the child in the case of Chinuch. How do I take the artistic, the latent, hidden artistic talents of this person and make him into an artist? How do I take the hidden spark of Hashem that's within a Jew and cause it to be to, to, to ignite, to be on fire, to make him into a real Jew in his adult life long after he's left Yeshiva, long after he's left the home? In the house and the appliance that it should be used in a in a productive way. That every room should be used. Every every room should be used for what for the purpose that it was designated for. It shouldn't be sitting empty. It's prepared for that. And the appliance for its use. That it's prepared for. When this word chinuch is being used for educating the children, then it means how do I develop the nature of the child, of his or her own nature, of what the child is prepared in potential, the kind of person he or she can be. Not the kind of person that you are, or that you would like him to be or her be. That's that is the main mistake that we make. But how to bring out how to bring out the potential of that particular child? And in one family, each child is different. And again, it's talking to us also. And, and I'm going to remind this. I'm going to remind uh, you about that almost every every page. That when the Rebbe is speaking here about children, he's speaking about about the big babies, that's us. Speaking about all of us. Bringing out and developing. So there's no building. It's already. So the Rebbe said same thing about a building. The Chanukah Sabayas is not, is not actually building it. <coughs> it's, it's using the building for what it was prepared. That's Chanukah Sabayas. Right? It's not when you just put the cornerstone down. It's when you start to use the bias. That's right. So the person, the child has within him the individual has within him unbelievable things, unbelievable kairos, and now we're going to begin drawing out that potential into reality, and to use the kairos, and to discover the kairos, and to use the kairos that are that are there, just like with a house, to discover the uses of each room, and to use the, each room, or with an appliance to discover the different uses, and to use the actual 
to use a lemaisa, to use the appliance. It's found in, a, in, in a, an underdeveloped, tiny little way. Potential and hidden. And to reveal it. Just like when we learned B'nai Machshavah last year at Savaziru's, which we just finished, the main objective of the Rebbe in those teachings is how to reveal our Nishamas to ourselves. Every single Torah there is about that. And the Rebbe says it was how to reveal ourselves to ourselves. So this is what Chinuch means. The Kevan Sheisha Yisraeli, and since the Jewish person, owed be I'll do so even as a child. Ruach Hashem, Nishmas Shakai, the Spirit of Hashem, the Soul of God, Tmuna Gnuzaba, is hidden and concealed within him. Our job as parents and as teachers is to, is to develop and to extract, to reveal, to teach the child, to begin the child on his path, how to draw out his nisham, his soul, that hidden soul. To reveal, to cause it to blossom. That he should develop into a faithful Jew that serves God. That he should desire to learn Torah on his own, from within himself, not just because you tell him to. And it should be his path. And therefore, so even when he's old, it will remain with him, because it's his path. It's his own soul that you have revealed to him. Many mechanchem, many teachers, are trying to reveal their, their own souls to the child. And, the, and, and it usually, it sometimes can have an effect if the child eventually says, listen, you know, I appreciate that for what it was, it's, and I'm going to try to find my own. Very often the children are suffocated and destroyed by it, and the Rebbe can't understand. I'm such a, I'm such a fantastic teacher, and uh, he's only trying to understand the child in light of his own neshama, and not to try not to understand each student with <clears throat> what that particular child needs, and to address the neshama of that particular child while at the same time covering material and so on and teaching. Those are the mechanchem that you remember your entire life. It could be somebody who was in second grade, it could be somebody who was in third grade, and you could forget a thousand teachers in between, but you'll remember that teacher. You'll remember the teacher that wasn't giving you his neshama, but was revealing to you your own neshama. That teacher you'll always remember, because that's from the, within the depths of who you are. And you have a un- tremendous appreciation for, for someone who introduced you to yourself. As far as those teachers who were yelling and screaming to you about themselves... So sometimes there are good memories, sometimes there are bad memories. But it doesn't become part of you. They don't become part of you. When you have a parent or a teacher who is simply commanding the child to do this, to do the mitzvah, or to learn. Or even if you just get your kid into the, into the habit of doing it. You can't be certain, that parent, that teacher can't be certain 
Shabain Talmud that that child that has been commanded or that has been that has been drilled so that it's become a, a that it's become a, a habit. You can't be certain that Yasakim Yigdal that he's going to live that way even when he grows up. And I mentioned this before, Miss Medrash, my father told me how when they were taken away when they were first left before concentration camp and they were taken to first go to forced labor how when he left at that time they were as young men they were still able to keep mitzvahs and they were able to eat the food that at least their mothers had prepared for them to take on the trip and my father said that when they left he says one of the most one of the most um, upsetting things that he remembers from that early time of the war was how it was when he watched friends of his, people that he grew up with in Chedu and Yeshiva, being out of town for a day, for two, for three days, away from their parents and cutting off their pays, throwing out their tzitzes, eating tarfus, starting to, even though they still had food in their knapsacks from home. They threw it away. My father said these were people that, you know, that, went to the, that they went to the mikveh together, they went to Chedu, they went to Yeshiva. I guess the difference was that there were those who there were those who were brought into the habit and those who were forced and there's only so long that that could last. In those days, when it was when it was forced with such intensity, it, it was when they had the first opportunity to get rid of it. So they did. Many of them did. They had the first chance to get rid of it. Don't think that it has to do with it. Mostly, it doesn't have to do with the theological problems that are posed by the Holocaust. Mostly, it has to do with suffocating that began even before the Holocaust. And when the opportunity came, whether it be practical, emotional, psychological, or theological, not to do these things that my parents forced upon me, my teachers shoved down my throat, so then they took advantage of those opportunities. And they still are. There's still some of those survivors from those days who take advantage of that. Just like there are people now that they could be 40, 50 years old, and they're not, and they they once went to yeshiva, they came from Orthodox homes, and they still have a chip on the shoulder. And you say, okay, okay. So I say, no, my father, you know, they, he used to beat me up if I didn't learn, and he used to force me to keep Shabbos. So, you know, you, you want to say to these people, okay, this, you know, this, that's a Misa from 40 years ago, why don't you, you know, take a second look? But really, it's hard to say to people, because that, because that memory of being, of being told, and the, that memory of, of lifeless habit, and of rote, and of what seemed to be meaningless, meaningless um, way of life at the time that carries often through that, that remains with the person that taste remains with the person throughout his life and it's very hard for a person in the middle of his life to to be mechanich himself to get a new chinuch to begin again you could do that with someone who never learned it at all that person is open to new things new ideas but to someone who already feels that he's been through it so to give him a new way, that's very, very hard. But that's what it means. This is what Shlomo Melech was commanding. This is what Shlomo Melech was telling us. Educate the child. Penetrate to the depths of the child. Tigala. And just like when it comes to the house or to a uh, appliance, 
begin to draw out the potential from that house by begin to use it <coughs> the appliance so from that child as well there is a, there is tremendous potential there's something there just like you have a house you have an appliance there's something there begin to draw out what's hidden in the child vrak oz and if you do that then gam then even when the child grows old it won't go away from him it will stay with him shlomo hamalach page tes By the way, I just want to, I should have mentioned when we started that the reason that no one was asked to pay for this is because one of our, one of the, uh, of the Chabura, as he usually does things, on the, on the spot, paid for all the swarm. <coughs> and we have our Kars HaTov. And now you're on your own. Shlomo HaMelech, Lois Tachlis HaChinich Bilvad Haidiyanu. Shlomo HaMelech, didn't only tell us about the tachlis of chinuch, the ultimate goal. Shetachlis alahavio el gamki yaskin liyosim to bring the, the person to a point, the child, so that even when he goes older, it will remain with him. Elagam es haoifan vehaemtsoi eich lovei love. But Shomal helped us out, and he taught us the way and the means of accomplishing, of achieving that. He didn't just leave us with a goal and say, "Do this." <coughs> Shomal spoke to us about how to accomplish it. And he said it in those words. That is the Ikka. That is the main thing. Because if you're only commanding, or you're getting the person into a habit, you don't have to pay particular attention to the student, to the child. You could have, like they have in, 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 in secular universities, you could have a big lecture hall, but now they have a new thing. You don't have to even sit in the lecture hall. My daughter was telling me that she has a, she has some of her classes where she has to, in graduate school, she, ne, she, she ne, never even will meet the teacher. It's the teacher is someplace else. And you go online. In our days, it was going to a classroom where whether you were there or not made very little difference to anybody. Least of all to the to the professor who was lecturing, and it could be that you were in some study hall, you know, in some in some big room, and uh, there's somebody standing down there at the bottom with a blackboard blabbering, and and had no shaykhs to you, and wasn't speaking to you. Nowadays, there are, I think there are schools, there are colleges that are conducted completely electronically. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, I heard about these things that I don't need to have any shaykhs to. To a teacher, and the teacher doesn't have to ever meet you, ever know, and could, probably would prefer in many cases not to have anything to do with you because there's so many weird people around. I don't, make, I don't blame them. <laughs> in those places, I'm not talking about any yeshiva, got to, but in those places, nowadays teachers in the public schools they're lucky if they're, they're lucky if they get home. So sakonis nefashis, to come with a bodyguard. So dangerous. Well, it's better now since since uh, we had a normal mayor, but it's still not the, it's still not normal. The situation is crazy. So the f- you could be in a house, and you have even in your own house, you have the kids, and you've commanded them to live the right life, and you've given them these habits of holiness to live by. That doesn't mean you ever machanach them. You don't have to even know them. And you could spend, and then when the kid, God forbid, is going in a different direction, you could say, I don't understand. I, I drove him to the ball game. I was, 
I was there for him all the time. I was there for her. What does that mean? You know, when a parent says, I was there for him and there for her, very often you discover that it meant I was physically there, which is true. No, I was physically there. But but when the Rebbe and when Shlomo Melech said, I was, I was there for the child, it means there in the neshama for the child, not just in the same house. Most parents, I find, when they say, I was there for the child, they mean just uh, geographically, which is also a nice thing. You know, a kid needs a lift. I mean, it's, it's, it's good to give you know lifts. Or a kid needs a pair of pants. You go to the store, you buy a pair of pants. Wasn't I always there for you? But the child can't explain that to the parent. The child, the child will usually say, "Yes, Dad, you were always there for me." But inside, he's thinking, "What is he? Is he out of his mind? Where was he for me? He was in Sims. That's where he was for me. Or he was, you know." Uh, where was he? Huh? Now you can shop online. You don't have to. You don't have to have a cashier even with Mo Ginsberg anymore. <laughs> At least when I was a kid, it was the whole experience. My mom going at it with Mo, with Mo Ginsberg, you know, with the family. I don't know with Mo, but with the Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm talking about a long time. But uh, that was always a chavaya. That was an experience of my mom. God bless her. What was going on over there? So that, that that's the, forget that, right? What are you going to argue? What do the Jews do nowadays? You can't, can you handle with a computer? I don't know. It was part of the it was part of the experience, right? You know, the Lower East Side, and then you know it was part of it was part of the experience. At least you thought you got one. That was the that, the good salesman made you think that you got a good price. Love Davka, but you walked away thinking that you got a mitzia. But Afal Pichain. <clears throat> the child, the child is telling the father, "Yes, Dad, you're always here for me. Mom, you're really always here for me." But what does it mean? What does it mean that was that they were here? What does it mean here, there? What is that? So Rabbi says that's only alpidarko, because the father or the parent who just commands or gets the kid into the habit, he doesn't have to really focus on that child or on that student. to really know the nature. And the seichel of that child. He gets up and he says, "Do this, do that." That's like 99% of how of how education is taking place. Do this and do that. He doesn't have to have any specific particular connection to that child to understand. Just do this and do that. The and he feels he's done. He's done his job. But the Talmud to deal with each child or each student on an individual basis. He doesn't feel that need. Therefore, Therefore, you gather together many students of the same age, of a similar age. You gather them together in one room to hear a shir. And and you could tell them all wholesale. One thing. Do this and do that. You're speaking to the Olam. You speak to the whole Olam. You say, do this or do that. Kilobet Talmud Ubeben. Because it has nothing to do with the student or the child. That's why you could have online. It has nothing to do with the person who's hearing it. Rakbo Bametzav It depends completely on the one who's giving out the commands. It has nothing to do with seeing the one or talking or connecting to the one who you're, who's being commanded. It just has to do with issuing a command. And therefore, it, it, it might as well be posted on, on, on the wall or, or it can be put on the internet. It's just being posted. It's not being addressed to anybody in particular. It's whoever's interested. Come listen. 
Hu Yitzava, Vizos Kolpolosa. All there is is a command, and that's the entire thing. It's just a commandment. You remember we spoke about this in Shul, Parshas Yisro, in the morning, talking about how, when Hashem gave the Torah, how how each how each one of the Asesa Dibras a Malach went, as Shem sent a Malach. And the other version of the Medrash says that that the, that the words it's the words themselves went and kissed each and every Jew. When Hashem gave the Torah, it says Kol Hashem Bakoach Right? Bakoach means doesn't it means Bakoach Kol Echad Vechad. So when Hashem gave the Torah, this is the greatest miracle of Maimon Sinai, of the event of the revelation at Sinai. The greatest miracle was not all the special effects with the thunder lightning, that was pretty good too. But it wasn't the special effects. The main, the greatest miracle of Maimon Sinai, of the revelation of Sinai, was that every single man, woman, and child heard Hashem whisper into his or her own ear on his or her own level. I am Hashem. And what that meant for one person was the deepest secrets of Kabbalah. What it meant for another person was the simplest thing, that I love you, I'm God. And I'm with you. Each person heard it. Al Darko. <coughs> That's how the Torah was first given to us by the greatest Mechanach Ben Hashem himself. And it was given with the fire because that's how you give over Torah. And it was given over with the lightning. It was given over in such a way because that's how you, that's the only way to give over Torah. With fire, with, with thunder, with lightning, with excitement. That's the only way to give it. But if there's a mechanic, if there's a parent who wants to reveal the, the soul of the student, of the child, that's hidden, that's concealed within the child, to, be, to, to, to raise it, to nurture it, to love and to cause it to, to become inflamed, that it shall burn with a supernal fire lamorum vakadish to the one above. The kulaf kaychas gufa bekedushi is gadlu. And and here it sounds like Rav Cook. Here he says that not only the child's neshama, but even physically, that the child should be developed properly. Can you imagine this is this is for that time and that place to say such things is very unusual. That even his body should be should be developed in a powerful and a holy way. Yes, Godlu, that it should develop in a good and, 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 and healthy way. That he should have a, a longing for the Torah of Hashem. So in order to do that, the Rebbe says, you can't just command and, and habituate. You can't just force. You can't do that in a wholesale way just by lecturing to the kids. <laughs> to do that you have to lean down the Rebbe says you have to bend down to the student who you're teaching you have to bend down to him and you have to penetrate into his smallness into his littleness to understand what he's going through, because a little child—that's why the greatest teachers are the ones who can teach the little, the little kids, the first, second grade. That's unbelievable, because the older ones can already explain a little bit, articulate, can talk a little bit about what they're thinking, can you know act out. But the little, little ones—they're just a mystery, and it takes a very, very great person to be able to lean and bend down to the little one and to be able to climb into the kids' neshama. 
into all of his silliness and smallness and to see through it and to find the greatness that's within that child. Because all you see before you is just a, it's just a, you know, a crazy little kid, like a nutty kid. And this is one of the main things that the Rebbe is going to talk about. About how when you look at your child, when you talk to your child, you have to imagine that this is somebody who is going to be the God Hadar, who has potential to be the leader of an entire generation. To be a tzaddik of all tzaddikim, to be a great tzaddikus. And you, you have to try to imagine. I spoke a lot about that this past summer. No, not this, yeah, this past summer. No, the uh, the parenting tapes. Now, two years, two summers ago, <clears throat> which was very much based upon the Rebbe's Tyrus, those teachings. Until you could actually find and you could reach that spark of his soul, of the child's soul that's hidden. And to draw it out. To cause it to grow. And because this is so. Chinuch is not the same. It's not the same for all ki- for all children, or for all adults, for that matter. It's not the same. It depends on each child and his nature, his intelligence, his midas. Therefore, the beginning is that the mechanach has to recognize. The mechanach has to understand to recognize. What's this, what's this child's intellectual capacity? What, what are his meters? <coughs> what's his nature? Kigam b'mischanech adover talui. Chinuch depends on the one you're educating. Lo b'dayta v'kaychais atzmo b'levad yishamish v'yifal. You shouldn't, the teacher, the parent, is not only depending upon his own kaychas, his own abilities of the teacher, Yitzhavaviyor that he's going to command and teach and instruct. Ragambidas Vikaichas Atalmid Yochis. He has to he has to take hold of the of the mind and of the and of the Kaichis of the student. Yishamish Vyifal. Therefore, once you understand that you realize that what you what you what you command, what you give over, what you teach to one child is not the same that the other child can hear. So different in nature. Teach the child, instruct the child according to his derech. According to the derech of each and every one. I always mention when I talk about this, this site, which, you know, by the way, since we're, we're living in different times, it's, it sounds like this is obvious. But this is very, very revolutionary to, in his days to even talk like this. Certainly among the, among uh, rabbis and in that world, it was very unusual. But I always, I always mention in this context that that one of the one of the greatest mechanchim that I that I know that I've ever met is is, is Rabbi Ferlo, who I was privileged to teach with for under for for uh, like 21, 22 years. So a master mechanich, unbelievable mechanich, and. He had mamish with each and every student a, a different relationship and a different mahalach with each student, and and I, he had he had rules in the yeshiva 
he still has rules in the yeshiva, in the school. And these are kids that come from non-religious backgrounds. He has rules, like every school has rules. And and then there are individuals who, over the years, were, were flagrantly breaking the rules. And Rabbi Farrell would say nothing. And there were others who, if they deviated ever so slightly from a rule, he would pound over their head. And I remember that there was a, there was a rule that you're not allowed to have the hair. The boys can't have the hair growing down, you know, I guess past the neckline, whatever, down the neck. And there was, uh, and he was, and he was very strict. And if you saw somebody, he would throw them out, of the, get to the barber. They're walking around like a behemoth. And he's very clear, you know, it's very clear. And then there was a kid in the school who walked. He had like a, you know, it was halfway down his back. He had like a ponytail. It didn't say anything to him. So I remember that I was once in the hall, and the kids have, have tremendous respect for him. And, and he, went, he said to a kid, whatever the kid's name is, he says, get to the barbershop. And he, and he would always take out five dollars. Probably now it's more. But he'd take out a couple dollars and say, get yourself a haircut. Don't go back to class without a haircut. I don't like the way you look. So this kid, I was in the hall, and this kid said, but so-and-so, that other boy, he has a ponytail. And Rabbi Freluch's response was, shut up. <laughs> he said, he has his parasha, and you have your parasha. Shut up and get a haircut. So he told him. And because the kids trusted him, that kid needed a little bit of a, an introduction, but the kids basically trusted him, and we have one of the chavah here grew up in that school. And he knows that I'm not exaggerating. So since the kids trusted him, <coughs> so they, they were able to, even though they didn't know, why is that kid different than me? How come he can have a ponytail and I can't? And Nachum knows probably the kid I'm talking about who grew up to be a big Yerei Shemai. You know what I'm talking about? No. I don't know if you know. I'll, I'll tell you later, you know, then you'll remember. He grew up to be a big Yerei Shemai. Thank God he's a big Yerei Shemai. That, that is for what, what works for one kid. And he and those, this kid, he had this union that he had to hold on to that because there the rabbi understood that somehow he sees his neshama tied into that, that hair. The other kid is just stopping, you know, you know, imitating. But this one really believed in it and, and therefore the rabbi was careful to give him that space. And he didn't care if you had tightness. He didn't care. And even his parents, you know, you could become so insecure because this kid's, how come daddy, mommy, how come he did for that and not for that? So really, if we were if we were if we were expert parents and, we, and the kids had confidence in us, we could say the same thing. Be quiet. That's his parsha. That's your parsha. What do you what do you hacking me from him? You bring me a raya. What do you bring me raya from the other, from your sister, from your brother? That's they have different parshas than you have. But the reason that it's so hard for us to get away with that is because the kids the kids are wondering. You know, my father such a mechanic. I never noticed that about him. <laughs> you know, it's like all of a sudden he has a different parsha. You see, you can't fool the kids. They're very smart. So I don't, So he has to talk to the kid as a tiny. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's different treatment. He gets to go to the restaurant and I don't. Oh, look at this. My, my, all of a sudden, my father became the piazzetsna. <laughs> Everything else, he just herds us together like cattle. <laughs> but now he goes to the restaurant. Now no, I'm, I'm eating leftovers. So it's talking a tiny, huh? It's a tiny. The kid has a tiny. They don't know how to speak about it, but they feel inside themselves. It's not fair. It's a tiny. But you see, the, way, the, the reason that Rabbi Felch was so successful is because the kids knew that he had, he was focused on their parishes also. It wasn't just this kid could have a hair and the kid, other kid can't. He, he was in touch with the kid's parasha and he knew that he cared about the kid's parasha. And the kid felt it, that he's, in t- he's tuned into my parasha also. And my parasha is different from his parasha. See, there's something else that, that, that I get that that other guy doesn't get. And he understands. <clears throat>
That's a mechanech. That's a parent. And it's a lot easier to do it as a mechanech than as a parent. It's much easier to be a teacher of other children than to be of your own. It's much easier to recognize the kaiches in other people's children and have to see them in your own because you're so completely overwhelmed by your own presence when it comes to your children. The, the olive base of chinuch is to see the child. With other children, you could see that sometimes when you're teaching other children because they're other. They're separate. They're not your flesh and blood. They're, they're brothers, they're sisters, they're children, they're Jews. But when, you, but when it's your own child who's being brought up in your own home, it's so hard to separate that child from what you want and your dreams and your expectations. It's so hard to see the child as a separate human being that very often the parents fall into that mistake of just of just commanding and clapping over the head with, you, with what you want and, what, and who you are and not trying to reach in to the, to the deeper essence of who the child is. So, in Yitzh Hashem, we're going, to, we're going to continue on this really amazing journey into the heart, into the soul of every Jew, of children and adults. <clears throat> and then, in this safe, we're going to talk about every midah. We're going to talk about how to, how to change from being lazy into people who are, who are excited about the Yiddishkeit, how to improve our davening, how to connect more to Shabbos on, a, on very real, at, at one time practical, but profound ways of, of changing lives and, and being and becoming better Jews. So this is the Chanukas Chavis Atalmidim, and of course all of you are invited to be part of our Chanukas Abayis that's beginning in Mitzvah in a few hours.